Welcome back to the John Curley and Sherry Elker radio experience. Jack Stein sitting in for one John Curley, world famous charity auctioneer and part time radio host. Does anybody know where John is, by the way, Sherry? Where is John? I think John is on his way to an auction. So he had an, another engagement, and I think he's he's whisked himself away so he can uh, save the world. See, John, I think what ha- actually happened, Sherry, is that there was a signal that that's, is sent up into the sky. It's projected against the clouds, right? Mm-hmm. And then John looks out the window, and he sees that symbol, and then he realizes that he has to go down into his cave and get into his mobile and go fight crime. Do you know what I'm saying? You picking up what I'm putting down? I understand. Okay, yeah. that might have been it. I didn't get a lot of warning. I just knew but, that he had to go. Just think about it for a second, everybody. Chris Martin, think about it for a second. John, multimillionaire, very wealthy. He's He's got a lot of things at his disposal. Who's to say that John isn't out there currently right now at this very moment fighting crime? <laughs> he is gonna, he's going to be coughing while he's doing it, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's his superpower, though, right? Is uh, getting COVID four or five times and still being able to fight crime. So um, speaking of fighting crime, by the way, Sherry, what's the deal with this story? I saw this. uh, Chris Martin pulled this up for us. A Utah man has decided to rob a bank of one dollar because he wanted to go to federal prison. Now, most people spend their lives trying not to go to federal prison. But this guy, what's the what's the deal behind this? Well, it's unclear why he wanted to go to federal prison, but this is what he did. He went to a Salt Lake City bank and he presented a note that said, please pardon me for doing this, but this is a robbery. Please give me one (laughs) dollar. And then he just and then he just sat down and he waited. He waited and he said, it's a good thing I don't have a gun because they're taking too long. So finally, the police got there. Um, they they did charge him with one count of robbery, which is a felony, even though it was only for a dollar. And he said, look, next time I'm going to ask for a lot more money and that will ensure my visit to federal prison. So I'm not entirely clear on why federal prison was the goal like does he know somebody there does he think it's a really good time did he hear that the the sunsets and the food were great i mean what's the uh you know what's what's the deal he wasn't i his, don't get it he wasn't his mid-60s though right yeah he was 65 yeah i is was this, just wondering if he wanted to be taken care of it yeah that was would be my thought is that maybe he wants health care right maybe he wants you know the 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 health care that they offer people when you go to prison because that's on the state's dime right so he maybe he has dental work that he needs done maybe he needs a kidney and so he goes to federal prison and that's what he gets right i think and also i don't know maybe he was looking for some kind of notoriety or maybe one of his buddies is in prison and he just wants to go hang out for a couple of months right but I, this isn't I, oh good he obviously hasn't read the reviews about federal prison because <laughs> none of those things are easy to get or a cakewalk i mean you'd be better off being more destitute and just getting you know things that the public is allowed to or to to have access to than than prison you got right. a lot more goes along with that it's a big so, commitment sh- Sherry, you used to be a warden of a prison. That's what everybody knows about you, is that you uh-huh. were... Because yeah, you're that's such right. an Cell intimid- block H. Yep, that's me. So, so uh, my my concern of going to prison is one of my biggest fears, legitimately. Now, I don't, I don't commit crimes, but I am a... I'm not diminutive, but I'm very effete. So my concern is, is that I would be popular in federal prison for all the wrong reasons. Do you know what I mean? I'm very... I'm very 
pretty for a man, very handsome for a man. Unfortunately, I inherited my mother's eyelashes, so they're very oh, long. Oh, you'd be right? popular, yeah. So, so, but Sherry, what what did you do for a prison again? You were the you were communications director, correct? I was the communications director for the state of Maryland prison system, which was uh, seventeen prisons, and then I also became director of religious services and director of volunteer services. And the reason is not because I'm so talented. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's because it's very hard to get people to work in that system and if and most of the people that work in it are not eh, the best and the brightest so when you show any kind of initiative they're like okay can you do this how about this how about this how about this so um yeah so i inherited a couple of extra departments but yeah i think jack you would have to either a couple of ways you can pay for protection you know I could. where you yeah. you can pay for protection with commissary things or your family can pay for it or you know option B join a gang but then you got to do initiation and that's always messy and yeah. then you don't know what the retaliation is going to be and the gangs you know you, you don't want to really get messed up in that 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 can be a double edged sword yeah and i'm not really gang material you know i mean you know what i mean i, I, I like things like reading <laughs> well, some of them, I mean, they, you know, if you follow their rules, like you can't be talk, talking to a, uh, a, a corrections officer without another gang member present because they're afraid you're a snitch if they see you doing that. Oh, okay, um, all right. Yeah, so there's a lot of rules you have to follow when a gang, but, um, you know, the, the big, the big, I think, a part that you would not like because you are very sensitive, and we'll talk about that later, yes. um, <laughs> is you would have to do something to prove your worthiness to the gang, which is initiation. And I, I don't think you could stomach that. I think that would so be very hard for you. My buddy, Nate, who was a sweetheart of a man, everybody called him Big Brother Nate because he was just he he wanted to do things for people. He would he's the kind of guy who would come over and he would do your dishes for you while talking to you and, you know, chatting you up. He was a really caring guy. Bad part about Nate, though, is that his favorite, uh, I don't know, uh, off the clock activity was driving while he was drunk. I don't know why, but he he would just he would just be stupid when he would drink and then he would choose to get behind the wheel of a car. And he got pulled over not once, not twice, but thrice. And the third time around, he got sent to prison for 90 days. He got out out after, I think, 45 days. This is in the state of California. This is about, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And when, when he got out and he was telling us about it, we were all kind of naive, you know, guys in our, in our early 20s. And he was, he made it seem like it was the most polite, the most nice, the most, you know, everybody was very respectful. There's a lot of please. There's a lot of thank yous. There's a, you know, there's rules there. But as long as you follow the rules, everybody gets along fine. So he was saying that all the white guys eat at, at these tables, all the black guys eat at those tables, all the Hispanic guys eat at those tables. You don't talk to anybody else outside of your your ethnic group unless it's to, you know, say please and thank you for, you know, you need to get out of somebody's way or you need to, you know, I don't know, get something from the commissary. But outside of that, he was saying that as long as you follow the rules, it's basically like adult daycare where it's, you know, wake up, go take a shower, go to breakfast you know, so on and so forth. He said it really wasn't that bad. Well, now, I wonder if he was, because a lot of times you will go to jail, not prison, oh, if you have okay. a lesser sentence. So the county jails are generally better run. They're not as crowded. They're not as vicious because 
you know, you get somebody in there that's doing, you know, for, on a felony, that's going to be a maximum security prison. He was doing more minimum security. So chances are, you know, under a certain amount of time, he might have just stayed in the county jail. Um, and that's a little bit more civilized than than like federal prison or prison. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it really does depend and it depends on, I think, what the charges are. So he's probably wasn't with a bunch of guys doing hard time. No, he he was very clear about that, that most of the guys that were there were, you know, there for, uh, what is the phrase, short time in it. They're only there for yeah. a brief period of time. This is, a, is like just such a, I guess, a hole in my knowledge about the world. Because when he was talking to me about this, he said, we get bunk beds and we're all sleeping in an auditorium. And I thought, wow, what fun. Do you guys like sing songs in unison together? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. You know, like, they did away with cages a long time ago. They're doing away with them <laughs> as far as, you know, putting people behind bars. They, they will now... Now do a dormitory style because they find that that's a little easier to manage. And also, I think it's it's more I don't want to say camaraderie, but, you know, you have to learn to live with each other. Um, the tricky part is when this happens and there are gangs involved, you get like a locker under your bed or something. You don't get your own cell a lot of times, depending on, you know, what prison you're in. And so they will just like they might charge you or if you have phone privileges, you have to give them a certain number of ramen noodles to get, be able to use the phone. Oh, Same no. thing where they might take over your locker. They might take over your pillow, things like that. And you have to buy your way out of it. I would not do well in prison or jail. I, no, I, I'd, I just I'd say avoid it. You know, uh, Chris Martin, do you have any? You have any? Thought, how would you do in in prison or jail? Do you think, Chris? Just out of <laughs> I was in I was in jail for a day, and it was hor- what? It was horrible. Wow. It, do you it, mind it, if I ask? It was. Uh, I don't really want to go into why, but um, sure. It was. Uh, it was really nerve wracking, and there was some obviously really crazy people in there. It, yeah, it, yeah. It was. Uh, I can't imagine for a long spell. But the, it was in a you know a room with like twelve other guys. It was really horrifying. But that's a holding cell, so that's a little bit. Listen <laughs> to the prison maven here. That's a holding <laughs> cell, and so remember, that's the one of the most dangerous places you can be because it's people straight off the street who might be on drugs, might be you know, still violent or upset about whatever it is they're being taken in for. So that's a really scary place to be. If you're being held there for 24 hours or until you can get arraigned or until you can get bail or whatever is going to happen to you, um, you, you're in this cell with a lot of other people who have a variety of issues going in. And, you know, the safest people are often the people that have been in for a long time, they've accepted their fate. They are thoughtful and want to learn something, maybe get a degree. They join in all the classes, all of that. But that that initial thing where you're in that holding cell, that's really rough. I mean, you don't. People are throwing up. They're sick. They're uh, going crazy. I saw that. You remember that show? I don't think it's on the air anymore. But that show, Scared Straight. Do you remember this, Sherry? I would imagine oh, you'd yeah. be a big fan. Because it's, you know, children being terrified. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I volunteered for that. Please, let me do it. Uh, Yeah, I I do. I do. I I think there are varying reports on how how effective that was. I don't think kids are scared of prison anymore because a lot of the gangs are run uh, from prison. and, and, And sometimes it's a badge of honor. Uh, to go to prison, and they're not really taken seriously until you've done time. 
Well, that was my thought, though, about that show, is that it didn't seem like it really took effect for all of the kids. Like, it might have, you know, because they would bring them in in groups of five, and then they would have to go through the whole routine of, you know, you're going to end up in prison, and then the warden would lie to them, and they would say, uh, you know, I'm going to keep you in here for the entire weekend, which he can't do, because they haven't, you know what I mean, they haven't, they haven't been sentenced, and you're not going to keep a 14-year-old boy in a, in a jail cell with a bunch of 35 year old dudes. Right. I mean, so but, no, they're not allowed to do that. Right. So, but th- they would do all this kind of, I don't know, showboating for these kids. And then at the end they would bring in the lifers, right. And the lifers mm-hmm. would come in and they would yell and scream at these kids and try to intimidate them to, to give up their, their ways of crime. I feel like there was something kind of perverse about that where we, we, they were basically torturing those kids on television for everyone's enjoyment. I mean, what is there another kind of television show where we would condone that kind of activity? No, you know I mean? and I think, yeah, I think that's the sign of, of maybe a, a bygone era. Like, I don't think we would anybody would do that anymore. The idea was, you know, to, to scare these kids into believing that prison would be the worst experience of their lives. So to, to stay straight, um, I am still I was never fascinated by the prison experience. I love true crime stuff. And of course, I'm, you know, I want to marry Keith Morrison whenever he would just dump that <laughs> wife of his. Um, and I, I do love, I do love those shows, but I never had a fascination for prison. I never watched, you know, Orange is the New Black or anything. I always found it truly frightening, the idea of being out of control of your own life and just being locked up. I, but people, they, they can't get enough of it. Uh, people love shows about prison. They love, they have a, a really morbid curiosity about it. And I don't quite understand why. I think, I don't know, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's something about the kind of schadenfreude of it where you're watching another human being suffer while you're in your nice living room and you've got AC and you've got a robot that vacuums your carpets for you. You know what I mean? And then you see people who are living in the worst way possible, whether it's in a fictionalized way or a literal way. And there's almost a, a relief mechanism for you because at least I'm not that guy or that girl, right? At least I kind of have my freedoms and I can kind of peer into another world, the dark, seedy underbelly of, of I guess, American culture. And, and I mean, Sherry, we haven't even talked about the prison industrial complex, but Americans do have a fascination, I think, and maybe a, a romanticization of the prison lifestyle you know, the way that we kind of talk about it, the way that we think about it, rather than actually analyzing it for what it is, which is a very draconian and backwards way of trying to rehabilitate people. You know what I mean? Like we say, this person needs to be rehabilitated. Great. Let's isolate them and let's put them in the worst conditions possible with other criminals for years on end. And then when they get out, they'll be much better. You know, it's like the opposite of what you would want to do with somebody, right, is basically send them to criminal college for four or five years and then they they get out and they're better criminals right well that's true you do learn to be a better criminal there's such a it's it's such a a complicated issue because you have the victims who want people to be in prison for um you know because they 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 want to get revenge or they want they want their they think it's justice for whoever that you know they got uh if they had a family member get hurt or was a victim of a crime so they want that and yet you know, and they get very upset when they hear about prison programs because they think, why is it that my sister is dead, but 
you get to go to college. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a really hard thing to sort of negotiate um, because even if you explain to people that are victims, listen, you want them to be able to go back into society if they're ever able to do that and lead a productive life and be members of society. That serves everybody. But if you've had a family member murdered by someone, you're never going to come away. You're never going to think that, or most people are not. They're not going to say, oh, I want to be charitable. I want to make sure they have the best possible outcome. They just want that person to be punished. And you can see it on, you can see, you understand it. I mean, you get it, right? And it's just, it's just, uh, it, the system is flawed, but it's, uh, I don't know how you can reconcile it. Like in Germany, people don't stay in prison for generally more than about 12 years. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, um, I, I read about a, a guy who he murdered five people and the maximum sentence that they could give him was 20 some odd years. And then the the facilities he was living in was basically like a college dormitory, which was, he had a desk and he was able to after so many years, he was able to go out on good behavior and, and walk around the town as long as he came back by a certain hour. <laughs> I mean, it was a completely different system than we have in the United States. And I don't think people in the United States would even put up with that if someone proposed it. Right. No, this idea no. that you, you were There's in your own. No appetite for that. Right. I mean, there exactly. is. But these people, most of them haven't been victims of crime. So if you imagine that, you know, somebody bludgeoned your family, would you be OK with that person having their own little desk and then being able to go out on excursions two years later? I <laughs> right. doubt like it. you like you bump into them at Whole Foods. Right. And then it's <laughs> really, really uncomfortable. <laughs> right. um, who's on traffic? Today? Is that Mickey Gomez on traffic? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Nate Connors. Nate Connors. The How could I forget? Traffic desk. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, that's just, John was supposed to send me the copy, and he neglected to do so. So, uh, Nate Connors, what do you got for us, bud? Well, first of all, I want to shake your hand. Nice to meet you, Jack. Hey, nice uh, to meet you, buddy. Sensitive people is a thing. I'm a sensitive man. Sherry, you're a sensitive woman. At least 95% of the time. I have talked to you a few times where you you go ballistic <laughs> <laughs> depending on the topic. That's true. I have heard I have heard Sherry say things that would shame the devil to be quite honest with you. Sherry. <laughs> so, um but I'm a sensitive guy, Sherry. It's something that I had to accept about myself that I'm not this kind of, you know, real masculine dude. I'm no Chris Martin. I'm no Brady Bones. I'm no Nate Connors. I'm a sensitive guy. I talk about my feelings a lot. Boo! I'm. You know what I, mean? I talk about the things that are going on in my my emotional world a lot, and I get a lot of flack for it. People, don't, particularly on the internet. People don't necessarily think that I, uh, I I present the most masculine of features, even though I have this luscious beard and this wonderful masculine face. The way that I present tends to be fairly sensitive, We're talking about emotions, talking about our fifis. So apparently, according to this Wall Street Journal article, I have superpowers because I am highly sensitive. So why is this the case, Sherry? Well, HSP or highly sensitive people, mm, yes. um, they say that they're, they're really on a spectrum. Okay. So about 20 to 30% are HSPs. 
Um, it's also, it includes an environmental sensitivity. So that means you're not just sensitive to your emotions. You're sensitive to things like a lot of outside noise or, mm. you know, sirens, things like that. They can, they can disrupt you emotionally. You don't, you don't like to hear loud sounds. You don't like to hear loud people talking. You're, you're sensitive to nature. Those, those kinds of things. Um, but because of this, you might need next level coping skills. Wow. What, yeah. So you, in, you process information much more deeply than the average person. And so everything to you is, um, like, overcharged a little bit your taste touch sound smell all of that and so you you have to be aware that even though you can read a room more more effectively than most people you would pick up immediately if somebody in a in a situation was maybe not feeling well or seemed depressed or whatever this would affect your mood and you would you you wouldn't be able to ignore it you try to help people you have tremendous compassion for people and their feelings because you feel you're so so acutely and you know you're very sensitive to animals and anything that might happen with an animal that'll that'll make you cry um but they say that you there are people that have this hsp and they're great at a a few things they're excellent therapists teachers Mm. coaches musicians artists horrible talk show hosts (laughs) (laughs) this is so based because people can be so mean so yeah so it's uh, it's one of those things where you have to protect yourself a little bit they say embrace it you need to allocate your energy appropriately Mm. um you have to be a a little uh discerning about who you hang around with because somebody that is insensitive can really uh, disrupt you this is tr- this is why I call John Curley every Saturday or every Sunday and complain at him for 90 minutes because I need someone to be my receptacle for my emotional state. And John just so he just so happens to do that for me. Has John ever told you the amount of times that I call John and I'm upset? <laughs> no, he doesn't reveal that, so he's keeping oh, wow. your your confidence. So no, no, he doesn't tell me that at all. Yeah, John, if, contrary to the way that John Curley likes to present himself on air, John is an amazing listener. And so if you call John and you complain to John, he's he's almost like a Dr. Phil in a lot of ways where he's very quiet. And then he'll just kind of ask you very subtle questions. It's actually very sweet. But, Sherry, something that stuck out to me is when you said um, cat or uh, you said animals, right? That someone mm-hmm. very sensitive to the needs of animals. Let me ask you a philosophical question. My neighbor has a cat. His name is Wally. He's a very sweet cat, but he's an outdoor cat. And my neighbor does not feed Wally as much as Wally needs to be fed because my neighbor is addicted to drugs. And so because the weather has been so bad for the last several weeks, I have been bringing Wally into my house because I don't want to leave him outside because it's cold and it's raining. And you know what I mean? It's not a good environment for a cat. So I bring him into my house and my neighbor asked me very nicely whilst being high on drugs if i would stop feeding his cat and if i would stop letting his cat into my home the problem is is that wally as a cat is he's looking kind of thin you know what i mean mm-hmm. he's not looking well fed and when it's 10:30 at night and when it's 30 something degrees outside and wally is at my my door and my door has uh, my the on the side of my house i've got glass doors that wally goes to and he stands there with his big eyes and he looks oh. at me sure and i go oh. i got to let him in yeah i yeah. can't i just can't do it right so now i'm in this weird place where i told my neighbor i said you got it boss i will no longer feed or take care of your cat 
but when I see Wally, I can't say no. So now I'm living a lie. Do you know what I mean? Good. <laughs> it's the greater good, really. I mean, right. this guy doesn't, I mean, if he cared about the cat, the cat wouldn't be outside in the pouring rain hungry. So right. you have to put that aside because he doesn't care. I mean, he may care, but when he cares, it's sort of intermittent, right? When he's not so high that he can care. Well, so, yeah, when, yeah, when he's home, he cares, right? But he's not home. I, I know when he leaves and I, I know when he's when he's home, you know, because he's off doing drug deals or whatever. And so, but my my thought process around it is if if I didn't want someone to be feeding my cat or whatever, I would be upset if somebody was doing that without my knowledge, right? Yeah, but what's his reason for you not doing it? It takes a responsibility away from him. Why is he so protective of, of that responsibility? I don't I don't actually know. That's actually a very good question. I, I didn't ask him that. I, I think maybe it's a, a he feels as if it's a personal shortcoming of his and maybe he well, intended it is. <laughs> yeah, hello, because it like is. Maybe, maybe he intended to, maybe intended to kind of step up and be a good cat dad. But there's something about I just can't say no to this little, this little. No, not really and you shouldn't. I right, mean, right. is the guy dangerous? No, he's he's too high to really, you know what I mean. He's too out there to really, yeah. to really notice. So and he doesn't, he doesn't notice. You know what I mean? Like he, he doesn't really care. But uh, uh, I feel as if. I probably should have just been honest with him. You know what I mean? And maybe this is me being overly sensitive and I probably should have said, hey, bud, uh, you know, I don't mind taking care of your cat if you want me to to watch her. You know what I mean? I feel like maybe I should have leveled with him a little bit as opposed to just backing down and going, yeah, bro, no worries. And now, like, literally, I'm looking at Wally right now in my home studio. Good. <laughs> and, and you should. And I, I have a feeling that maybe, you know, if you kept him inside for a little while, maybe he would think that Wally just kind of drifted off. I don't know. I mean, you can't really hide Wally. No, no, but I have a sneaking suspicion that if I move, I'm going to be adopting a third cat. You know, Good. I'm very <laughs> you proud know? of you, Jack Stein. I think that's that's the right thing to do. I really do. I mean, the animal is being abused, you know, by not being fed and being left outside. And you could even say to him, you know, he, while he's so adorable, he's just impossible for me to resist. Right. So when he sits at the door, I just feel <laughs> yeah. like, oh, come on in. So uh, yeah. I'll try to do it, but I got to tell you, I'm a softy. So. There'll be nights when I can't resist him. This is very and, true. And and that's fair and that's honest. And I, I I would worry more about the cat than this guy. Nate Connors, should I steal my neighbor's cat out of resentment in spite that he ignores it? Oh, absolutely. Okay, thank you. That's, <laughs> that's a good verdict. way to build relationships, you know? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Nate Connors. I appreciate it, buddy. What's going on in traffic, my dude? All right. Happy Friday, everybody. By the way, Jack Stein sitting in for John Curley. John Curley had more important things to do than to hang out with you, Sherry. Or me. He could have been here with both of us, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's okay. He's a man with a mission. I guess he's too important. So, um, Chris, you had a suggestion because with the text messages, you said they were too complimentary of me. You were telling me that they were... Yeah. Somebody... Di- I didn't include one. They said, oh, that's why Jack doesn't read the text messages. He's so sensitive. <laughs> uh, so uh, did anybody text in about uh, my cat issue or not so much? Well, actually, here are the text messages. I thought we didn't have any whatsoever, Chris, but it looks like uh, we got a ton of them. Oh, no, so There's quite a few. Yeah. The te- and the cat ones are a separate email. 
Oh, I see. Should we just do the cat ones? I think the cat ones are pretty good. Uh, Christina said, good for you on taking care of Wally. He needs you. Thank you so much, Christina. Uh, basically, I have an issue where I'm taking care of my neighbor's cat because he's addicted to drugs. 360 said, Jack, the cat decided you were a nicer person and he adopted you. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, That's true. true. And then 253 said, wow, I would be worried about when I get home if I'm going to get my butt kicked saying these things about your neighbor on the radio. Thankfully, Joe does not listen to the radio. So this is good news for me. And uh, I'm such a likable guy that most people could hear me talk about them on the radio and they would think that it was in, all in good fun. So um, prison, here's, Sherry, you want to? Here's yeah, one. Wanna, oh. It says, uh, this is one that, that I think, uh, <laughs> because I too am a highly sensitive person. Yes. I think Chris was kind enough to leave this one out. It says, what Sherry is saying is okay, Jack. Basically, she said that hypersensitive people like you are very intelligent and can pick up what other people can't, which means you have a big brain and people like sherry are cavemen when it comes to feelings okay maybe a cave woman when it comes to sherry boy how did that somebody get that impression i'm like a i'm not that way <laughs> I, mean, uh, I know sherry I, I think you're a very nice person but you do get you know sherry you do have that rage you do have this like <laughs> most people don't know this about sherry but sherry's got this like deep-seated rage it's like right underneath the surface at all times <laughs> what is the, what is the uh, but they're just only on certain subjects yeah, that's true. Like, I know, Sherry, in talking to you, that if you get bad customer service, you will go five minutes that could peel the paint off walls. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta I trigger. Even, I don't even think that about myself. I mean, I'm sorry you have that impression, but okay. Oh, I mean, Just, it's, Sherry, you're a nice person 95% of the time, but if somebody crosses Sherry, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like someone crossing Al Capone or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, just this like deluge of thank of, you for having that confidence in me because i certainly don't it's nice uh, to know so a lot of people were concerned about uh me going to prison and what i would do in prison and then doug said jack's prison gang would be a literary social club that would occasionally engage in discussions <laughs> sounds like That's a good prison good. Uh, 480 says the private piss prison system is for, a for-profit system. The beds need to be 80% full to break even. Far too many people have no idea how terrible prison can be. 360 says as a slight framed gay man with boyish good looks, I was devastated when I had to spend three days in jail and not one man had made a pass at me the entire time that I was there. <laughs> Were you devastated because nobody made a pass at you or because you were just spending the time in jail? Uh, John says the TV choice in jail is always Judge Judy. I mm. asked, why are they watching a jail show? I said, why don't you just look around where you're at? Crazy. <laughs> uh, jail versus prison. Uh, two, uh, what is this? 206 is according to my ex, King County Jail has was the worst. You are with 20 people in a cell and don't have outdoor time. No activities, no classes. He described prison as boys camp. He worked in the garden, worked out. Yeah, I just don't think I'd be able to hack it, which is why I'm so, I'm just so, I don't know, I never want to go. Never want to be there. No interest whatsoever. I don't understand why that guy wanted to go unless it was the, for the, for the health care. Because why else would you want to be there? It just seems like such a bad time. 
Yeah, I don't think we'll ever understand that entirely. Uh, gun bans and John saying his local dealer was out of assault weapons. Mike says, you would think all the gun and ammunition manufacturers would be pumping millions of dollars into the campaigns of Democrats and supporting the anti-gun lobby. Every time they come up with a new capacity ban or an assault weapon ban, sales go through the roof. Democrats are always employee of the month for gun manufacturers. Did John get more guns? I heard that John got more guns. He's well, he like, was trying to get another gun today, but they were sold out. Okay. Because I, I was also, I hear tell that John was was going into great detail about all of his firearms on the radio the other day, which is great radio, by the way. <laughs> well, no, he, he, has, he has a lot of guns, so he was kind of, you know, talking about the ones that he had and the ones that he wants to buy. And he went today, but they were sold out because they people anticipate this gun legislation and they're buying them up. So, And the gun stores aren't paying, buying any new ones because if the gun legislation gets enacted very quickly, they'll be stuck with them and they can't sell them. Yeah, I just Legally. it's just the worst law I think I've ever heard of is a assault weapons man. Letter of the day, two oh six. Thanks, Teeny. I forgot you were there. I always forget about you. Uh, 206, an observation I have noticed over the years. When Chris Martin produces his show, the likelihood of my sherry, jo- my sherry hand jokes being read at the end of the show seems to be much lower than when Jacob produces. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob is a cruel man. Yeah. He always puts those in. Well, I mean, if they weren't so big, Sherry, I don't think anybody would talk about it. <laughs> you know, right? the one good thing about the cameras is that now people can actually see my hands. Yeah. And they can decide for themselves. That they're huge. I mean, they are literally, <laughs> oh, I mean, like I dinner plates. I how this got started. I have no idea how this whole thing got started. I really don't remember. It's like... It's like you could give Andre the Giant's hands a hand hug. Do you know what I mean? Where you, you wrap the thumb around and you... Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. We got to go to traffic. Uh, Sherry, it's been fun hanging out with you. Thanks Thank so much, you, Chris Jeff. Martin, Brady Bones, uh, Nate Connors coming up for your traffic. Stick around. John Curley, I hear tell, will be back right after this. <laughs>